Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, hello and welcome, church. It is so good to have you joining online. If we haven't met before, my name is Ollie, and it is my privilege to be with you here today. Now, the rest of the church at the moment is doing life at the movies. So we wanted to do something special over these few weeks, especially for online. I believe that today is going to be a word to encourage you, to build your faith, to have a moment with God. This morning, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Hebrews. I've got this scripture that has been sitting on my heart for some time now, thinking about today, thinking about this message for you. So let's read it together, and then let's get into the word. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm to the faith that we profess. Verse 14, it says this, sorry, 15, it says this, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every area just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, therefore let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy, so we may receive the mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Come on, let's pray, then let's get into the message. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to come around your, your word wherever we are, whether we're joining online uh, in our homes or whether we're joining online at work, overseas, catching up, whatever it is. God, I thank you that we get together around your word together. I pray it will be a blessing to us that each one of us would walk out today having something from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I mean, well, like I said, my name is Ollie. I'm the campus pastor for our West Campus here in Auckland, along with my wife, Nikki, and our little one-year-old, Mila. Yes, I have a one-year-old. She is absolute carnage, but she is awesome. You know, a few years ago when uh, Nikki and I were looking at taking on West and we were just doing a bit of a reassessment of our life, we had the bright idea of trying to buy a house in Auckland. It was 2020, lockdown was on, COVID was happening, and we thought, this is the time to buy a house. Like many people, we thought, this is gonna be the moment. The market's gonna open up, opportunity galore. We'd been scrimping and saving for a couple of years at this point, and we're like, this is the moment. Now, if you lived in Auckland in this time, you're already shaking your head in disbelief, going, that poor, poor boy, he has no idea what's coming for him. And you would be right. It was a joy. It was a moment of self-reflection like I've never had. In fact, if you want to know what it's like to experience rejection, true rejection, buy a house. Really, it's amazing. You get rejected by the bank. You get rejected by the real estate agents. Your offers get rejected. It's a really character-building experience. But we decided that we would go on this and try and buy a house. So we started like everyone with our expectations maybe a little bit higher than we should have. But we're people of faith, so we thought, let's give it a go. We started every Thursday night getting together with a spreadsheet and mapping out all the open homes around Auckland, trying to work out how we could get to all of them through our day. So Saturday morning, up bright and early, go get our coffee, first open home. You know, really quickly with open homes, you start to build a little bit of relationship with people. The first open home you go to, you see a bunch of people, then you go to the next one, you realize you recognize some of these people. Third one, you you give them a nod because now you're starting to get familiar. Two, three weeks into it, you guys are like best mates. You realize that these people are in the exact same boat as you. You start talking about family, friends. Then there comes that point where they stop being your new acquaintance and friend and become the enemy. 
and you start fighting for the same place and miss out. There's the houses that you turn up to and just when you see the kind of cars that other people are pulling up and you just keep driving, you don't even try and give it a go. But eventually, and I remember this day so clearly, I looked on Trade Me, our uh, real estate website here in New Zealand, and I saw a house come up online that I hadn't seen before. This house was in one of our top three suburbs in Auckland that we were looking at. This house was three bedrooms, perfect size that we'd been hoping to get and started to give up on. It looked newly renovated in a good area. And get this, it was 150 meters from the beach in our price range. Now that should have been maybe a red flag, but for me, I thought this is it. God has shielded this property from everyone else's eyes just for us. So I called the real estate agent. I said, hey, mate, when's your open home? I don't see any on the website. Another red flag, by the way, just if you're looking. He said, hey, when do you want to come? I said, 4 p.m. He's like, great, I'll see you there. I said, Nikki, we've got it. We've got the place. This is the one. We drove all the way up to Stanmore Bay where this house was. We pulled up and from the end of a long drive, we looked down and this house looked incredible. We got there a bit early so we could do the walk from the driveway to the beach. We're like, how incredible is this? We go to the beach every single day. We looked around the neighborhood. It looked amazing. We walked around the back of the property. It looked great. Eventually, 10, 15 minutes after we were meant to meet the agent, I called him and said, mate, where are you? And he said, oh, I got busy. No worries. Just go on in. It's unlocked. Third red flag, by the way, third red flag. But again, naively believing that this was our house, we walked in. And again, as soon as we walked in, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Then I started to walk through the lounge and they had this new hardwood floor they'd put down. But as I walked on the hardwood floor, it started to spring a little bit, started to bounce a little bit, started to feel a little bit wobbly under my feet. And he was like, is this normal? And we had a look and we realized that the home renovation had left the underlay of the old carpet under the new floorboards. Nick was like, oh, what are we going to do? I was like, it's fine, it's fine. We want to have a baby. This is a good thing. Come on, let's turn positives here. If we drop the baby, not going to happen. If we drop the baby, it'll bounce. It's going to be great for when it's learned to work. We can work with this. Went through and realized most of the plumbing wasn't working. I was like, that's fine. I think that's normal. When homes are on the market, they turn the plumbing off. That's totally normal. And then as we walked down the main hallway to the rooms, I started to feel a little bit of vertigo. And I was like, this feels strange. So I took a tennis ball I had in my car and placed it in the middle of the hallway only to see it roll down the hall and curve into one of the rooms. It was at that point that we realized all the things that this house had wrong, that the renovation job had been done poorly, that there were cracks in the exterior, that when we went under the house, we realized it was missing a couple of pylons that should have been there for the foundation because there was a creek bed running under the house that we weren't aware of. All of these things that at the far off look at the end of the driveway or when we looked online or talked to the real estate agent or even just got to the outside, we didn't notice. But when we got inside, realized that there were cracks and things that had formed in this house that the owners had hoped we wouldn't notice. You know, for a lot of us, if we're honest, there are times in our lives where our life feels a whole lot like that house. Where from the outside, people can look and go, man, you're doing awesome. And you've got it together. And your Christian walk is going fantastic. Everything seems to be lining up for you. And as we mature in our faith and mature in who we are, we are the first ones to start to notice maybe those areas that aren't quite as good as we let on those things in our life that we know we needed to get fixed up or work on, but we did a rush job. And so although it looks like it's done, 
actually, there's still some things that aren't quite right. There's still some foundational issues that we've brushed over. There are still things that aren't how we like to portray it to be. And we start by maybe trying to ignore it ourselves. And then as people come into our life, we, we even start holding back those who are closest to us from those areas. Yes, come on to the outside. Yes, come into certain spaces, certain rooms, but don't look too deep. And you know, as Christians, we even do this with God. We ask that He comes into all our areas, but as we grow in our faith, we say, but let me sort this out first. Let me fix this area first. But Hebrews 4 says this. Let's remember what it says in verse 14. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who was tempted in everything. We have a high priest who gets it, who understands, who knows what it's like, and yet did not sin. And in verse 16 again, it says, So let us approach the throne room of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. You know, the reality of mankind is that since Adam and Eve, we have had a brokenness and an incompleteness around our life. We've had temptations where we have failed. We've had a, what the Bible calls sin nature. And so God's answer to this, and this is important for the Scripture, is He brought about what we would call priests in the Old Testament. And the writer of Hebrews in the Scripture, Hebrews uh, 4, when they're writing, they're writing to a people that understood the purpose of the priesthood and understood the significance when we call Jesus our high priest. See, the priesthood were there to try and help bridge the gap between our broken humanity the areas of our life that are not together, the areas of our life that are not whole, the, the parts of us that are not holy, which in, honestly is all of us compared to who God is and bridge the gap between our unholiness and our brokenness to who God is. And specifically, we've got here talking about Jesus as the high priest. See, the priests did a bunch of things. They oversaw sacrifices. They helped look after the temple. They helped care for the people. But the high priest had a very important job. There was one high priest. And the high priest's main job, their main function, was to represent the people, all the people, every person who is a person of God to God. See, in the Old Testament, the prophet would come to represent God to the people. But the high priest represented the people to God. And once a year, the high priest would come to the temple offering a sacrifice for his sin because he was also not blameless and he was also sinful and he was also broken. And then to also offer a sacrifice and worship to God on behalf of all the people. He would enter through the curtain into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God for this one day to represent everyone year on year to keep the people in good stead with God. And every year that people would sit there and they would go, well, I hope the high priest this year does the right sacrifice and I hope he does the right thing and I hope it's enough because he is our representation to God. He is the one that is going into the presence that we can't access. But Hebrews makes a point of saying that Jesus is now our great high priest, that he fulfills all the same things that the high priest had to fulfill, but completely filled it. Hebrews 5.1 says this, it says, every high priest is selected from among the people 
and is appointed to represent the people in matters relating to God to offer gifts and sacrifice for sin. Jesus came from among us. The Bible said that he was fully man, that he was fully God, that he was born to a woman, that he lived a normal life, that he was tempted in all things, that he was from among us and yet was also fully God, that he was able to represent us to God fully. Said this, that every year they would come and offer a sacrifice, but Jesus became the everlasting sacrifice. The Bible says that he is the pure lamb, the unblemished lamb, the lamb that when he offered his life freely up for us as a living, as a sacrifice on the cross, that he made a sacrifice that would last for eternity, that because he was unblemished, because there was no sin in him, it wasn't a sin, uh, uh, an offering that had to come year on year on year, constantly trying to make up the shortfall. But Jesus is simply enough. Our high priest, our Savior is enough. Not only that did he simply bridge the gap between us and God, but he made a way for us to fully be in the presence of God. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus speaking says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. I have made a way for you to enter into the presence of God to again connect with the Father. In fact, the, the curtain that the high priest used to walk through that would separate the people from the presence of God, the Bible says that when Jesus became the high priest, when Jesus died on the cross and fulfilled his role as becoming the high priest and the ultimate sacrifice, that that curtain taught in two, making that now through Jesus, there would be no separation from the presence of God to his people. Yet you and I, because of our sin nature, because we are human, we still struggle to confidently walk into the presence of God because there is something in us that continues to say, when I fixed it up, when it looks as good on the inside as it does from the photos at the end of the road, when it's fully done up, then I might feel confident. But what Hebrews is trying to tell us is that it is not because of how good we are or how fixed up we are on the inside of how, how amazing that we are doing this week but it's because of him, because he lived a blameless life, because he became our high priest, because he represented us to God and made a way for us to be able to enter with confidence that he's a high priest that has empathy for your struggles and my struggles, not just understands it from a distance, but empathy. He's lived it. He's been there. He gets it. And the purpose of God coming to earth and doing what he did, dying on a cross, making a way for us to know him was not so that he would just get worship from us, but that we would be able to enter again into the fullness of relationship with God and have all that he has for us, which is his mercy and his grace in times of need. Now, I think there's a whole lot of us as Christians that we're missing out on a bunch of the mercy and the grace that God has for you in your time of need because we are not confident in walking into his presence. Maybe we are confident in some areas. Maybe we're confident in this area or when I'm feeling good in these things. But on the bad days and the bad areas and the things that we're still struggling with in the addiction or in the self-examination or in the insecurities in those areas, we're still not confident. But our high priest... Our high priest wants to give us a confidence. 
not because of our goodness, because of who he is to walk in to that throne room, to receive the mercy and grace that we need to be able to live the life that God has for us. Not that we would live a life worthy of the grace, but because of the grace, we can live the life that we're called to live. So this morning, I've got, today I've just got three things, three areas that I believe that if we can gain confidence in being in the presence of God in, will have a real powerful impact on our life. And I don't know why I've been led to these three things, only to say that maybe today you'll be watching or one of the three is gonna stick out to you is that is an area where if I'm honest, I don't walk in confidently. Maybe in, in a lot of areas I walk in confidence. Maybe in church on a Sunday when I've got the confidence of everyone else around me, I walk in confident. Maybe in this area that's in my gifting and I know that I operate well and I walk in with confidence. But Ollie, in these areas, no, you're right. I don't walk into his presence with confidence in these areas. And today I pray that it would encourage us to maybe come back to remember that it's not about how good we are and it's not about how proficient we are in our gift or how great the environment is around us or how good we feel, but it is truly about who he is. And we would bring God and we would step into his presence in these areas. The first one is this, when we truly walk in the confidence of who Jesus is, our great high priest, our savior, and we truly walk into the presence of God with that confidence, we begin to find him afresh in the silence. I hate silence. I do, I hate it. If you know me, I'm opinionated. I really struggle not to say what I think. I, I generally like to poke the bear and just kind of get an opinion out there and just kind of mix things. I really don't like having no answer for something. In fact, one of the biggest struggles I, I have faced getting married is realizing that just because I think I know the right thing to say in this moment, just because I think I know the right answer, that doesn't mean I have to say it. Because I love having an answer. Being quiet and being silent in the mess and being quiet and silent when everything's going wrong is the hardest thing for me to do. It's that whole idea of having awkward silences. We have awkward silences because we're not confident, because we're not comfortable, because there's not a great sense of relationship. But there is so much for us to gain in the silence with God. You know, silence in the presence of God is truly a sacrifice and a laying down of our own free will and our own, not a free will, but our own freedom, our own sense of we know what's right and we know what it is to be in control. When we are silent in the midst of a storm and just sit and wait on the presence of God, it takes a confidence that I believe strengthens us to an incredible place. You know, Psalm 46 verse 10 says this, this is, God says, be still in the midst of everything. And a Psalm that has been talking about how good God is and how strong it is and how, how he'll overcome and how he'll do all these amazing things, which is the scriptures we love to hear. At the end of it, he says, but be still and know that I'm God. You know, we, we love in the middle of trial, in the middle of struggle, in the middle of pushing through, we love to to get up and pray and be filled with faith and to be able to share with people and to be able to speak faith into atmosphere and all those things are good. Sometimes we really struggle with just sitting in silence and waiting on God. 
It takes a special kind of confidence of knowing who Jesus is, that in the midst of everything else in our world feeling in turmoil, to just sit in silence. And ultimately, it comes down to relationship. You know, when I was first dating Nikki, I remember we went on this big drive my second time seeing her. She was in Sydney. I flew over and saw her, and we're doing this big drive around Sydney so I could see it. And there was a big portion of that drive where we were just quiet. We'd run out of things to say. And because the relationship was new and because we weren't yet comfortable, there wasn't a confidence in it. Man, I'll be honest, because the way I'm wired, my head was spinning. I was like, this thing's over. This thing's never going to work. We got nothing to talk about. We can't simply just, just be with each other. And it took Nikki stopping and realizing that something's up and going, you know, it's okay to just be with each other, to just be in each other's presence, to just be in the same room, to just be in the same car, to just simply be with each other. You know, I, I believe that there's a bunch of times where God, God's like, I love talking to you. I love hearing from you. But can we just be together? Can you just rest, truly rest in my presence? Can you stop and recharge for a minute? We'd have a confidence to find him in the silence. Second point is this, that we would have a confidence, that we would have a revelation of our high priest to the point that we have a confidence to walk into his presence in the midst of pain and grief. Now, we don't, we don't celebrate pain and we don't celebrate grief because they're incredibly hard things. They really are. But you know, the Bible is full of pain. The Bible is full of men and women of God who were doing great things, who loved him dearly and had a close relationship, who experienced pain and grief. Paul, numerous of times throughout the New Testament, says that although I am suffering, I have great joy. Although I'm in pain, I'm still good. You know, our Christianity sometimes focuses on the overcoming of pain, on the moving on from grief. But there is a whole treasure waiting for us if we cannot run to God out of the grief, but find Him in it. Grief is a part of life. Loss is a part of life. Suffering is a guaranteed part of our Christian walk. And so often as Christians, we hit these times and we know they're coming up here, but when we hit them, it's like, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know it would be this hard. And like we talked about at the beginning, we shelve that part of us and we say, this part here, I'm just gonna hold on until I get through it before I fully step back into the, the presence of God and feel like I'm connected to Him again. But there is a beautiful exchange waiting in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grace. Hebrews 4.14, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize in our weakness, but one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus, says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hid their faces when he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Maybe you feel like you're in low esteem. Maybe you feel like everyone in your life is hiding their face from you and you feel alone and you feel separate and 
you feel in pain, you're a high priest, a saviour who gets it, whose greatest purpose to go into the cross was not to give you a life separate from suffering and pain, but for you to know that he would meet you in the middle of it and that he would be there for you. Come on, this morning, would we have a reminder of the confidence that we can have in our God that He meets us in the middle of the pain. And finally, when we, when we get a confidence of who our Savior is, of who our great priest is, to walk into His presence and find Him in our breath. I had a college lecturer when I was in college who taught us around ministry and ministering in the Holy Spirit and spiritual warfare. And he was an ED doctor initially. And he said, when we were training in the ED, we were taught one phrase time and time again. The phrase was simply this, don't just do something, stand there. When everything else in your world is going chaos, when we walk into the emergency department and there is person after person after person needing help and we, we don't have enough resources and it's all just on and everyone's crying out and every part of your life maybe is crying out right now saying attention to this, attention to this, bank balance, family, work life, personal challenge. And it just feels completely overwhelming. We need to take that same approach where we don't come running in trying to fix everything, but we come in and we don't just do something. We stand there and we take a breath. You know, in the Hebrew language, the word for the Spirit of God is ruach, which is the same word for breath. Breath was understood in ancient culture for more than just something that we did without thinking to give us oxygen and keep heart, blood moving. But, but breath, like it is today, is understood to give us life, to give us strength, to give us focus, to give us the ability to be aware of the little things that are going around. And just like in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language where it speaks of breath and the Spirit of God being the same thing, we need to learn to take time in our lives in the middle of the chaos to find Him in our breath. So many of us, are, we're running so hard. We're running so forcefully trying to keep up with everything that's demanding us. It's like we've walked into that emergency department every day and there's, everything's crying out for our attention. And so we go as hard as we can and we are living on short breaths. And it's causing us to be tired and it's causing us to be weak and it's causing us to lose perspective. And we're no longer breathing in the presence of God to its fullness, to allow us to access the mercy and grace that awaits for us in His presence. And this morning, today, I pray that we would take a moment to slow down, to have a moment of silence. Maybe for you it's silence. Not praying in your head, that's not silence. I mean stillness, clearing everything, just trusting God with not having the answers and trusting God with not having a solution or a justification and just sitting in silence, 
trusting the high priest and that he will help us you into the presence of God, that you have a confidence to sit in silence, that you have a confidence if right now you're going through grief and you're going through loss, you're going through pain, you'd have a confidence to meet with Jesus in that moment. Or maybe right now you've just been running so hard that you know you're out of breath. You're like, Ollie, I've still, got, I've still got breath. I've still got bits of the Spirit, but you're not breathing Him in like you should because you, want, you think if I stop, things will start to fall over. But when we have a confidence in who He is, we can trust that we can stop, breathe Him in so that we can be filled with all the energy and all the awareness and the grace and the mercy talked about in Hebrews to do all that He's called you to do. We all feel like that house sometimes. We all have areas of our life that we don't want to look at and truly (laughs) realize how far from the photo it is in real life. And that's okay. Because our high priest is not a high priest that has to come every year hoping to get it right. He's a high priest that is the perfect sacrifice that represents us and has made a way for us to enter the throne room of God with confidence in Jesus' name. So we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna worship for a few minutes and then we're gonna take some time to pray. But wherever you're at this morning, take your moment. Maybe you need to sit in silence. Maybe you need to open up some areas of your life to the Holy Spirit right now and say, I I need you, I need to meet with you in this grief. Or maybe this morning you just need to take a deep breath and sing this from the top of your lungs to bring the Holy Spirit fully back in to the areas of your life that feel like chaos. So Father, I thank you for today. We thank you that as we breathe you in, as we worship you, we can recognize that you are great. You are our great high priest. That we have confidence, not because of what we have done, but because of who you are. So thank you, Holy Spirit. You bless this moment. Bless every single one of us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.